Hello and welcome to Mint Dialogue, episode number 164. This interview is with Del Levin, head of the marketing effectiveness practice for Nielsen in China, based in Shanghai. With a blue chip background in marketing in Colgate, and as an American who speaks Chinese, Dell is in a unique position to look at the colliding worlds of off and online advertising, as well as the differences between the North American and Chinese markets. In this discussion, we talk about the challenges of evaluating ad effectiveness across the different devices and platforms, the link between watching and buying, as well as some great insights on how advertising needs to evolve. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick and enjoy the show. So, Del Levine, welcome to the Minter Dialogue, yeah, old friend from our times begone. Um, Del, tell us who you are what you do, and what is your mindset? Fantastic. Well, thanks for having me on board. It's great to catch up. Um, I am the Vice President for Marketing Effectiveness for Nielsen here in China. Um, marketing Effectiveness, as defined by Nielsen, is really really helping companies to, to, to get the most out of their, their, their marketing dollar spend. Um, uh, and my mindset, uh, I suppose, is uh, is uh, I'm, I'm I'm very much riding uh, the incredible uh, digital wave um, here in China. Um, it's a wave that uh, doesn't 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 seem to break. I mean, it doesn't seem to stop breaking. Right. It, it continues and continues and continues and gets bigger and bigger. So it's quite an exciting place to be. It certainly it probably comes from all sorts of different levels. I mean, I, I've been to China several times and I trying to follow as best I can the WeChats and, and uh, Alibaba's of the world. So you've been in China now about a year, right? Yes, that is correct. And you came so I've been in and out of China for a career, but uh, yeah, this time around for a year. Right, right. And you lived in Hong Kong and you came from South Africa. So when you arrived in South Af- from South Africa, can you tell us what would have been some of the, you know, just like the eye-popping opening thoughts as you hit chi- Shanghai again? Yeah, well, for me, I suppose my perspective might be a little different from some. My first time in China was 1986, um, which uh, you and I actually knew each other back then. Um, this shows how old this friendship is. That's right. But uh, uh, and and during that time, China was nothing but there were no tall buildings. Uh, people were riding bicycles with bells on them. There were no billboards. There were no personal cars. The only vehicles in the road were, were commercial vehicles. So, um, uh, you know, it was, a, it was quite a different place. The Shanghai I, uh, that I have uh, returned to um, is on par with just about any major city around the earth. Um, mm. I've always said to people, I, I, you know, I'm a big lover of Chinese food, and I could, I could easily, d- despite having grown up in the states, I, I, I could eat Chinese food uh, every day, all day, no problem. In Shanghai today, you could eat Western food every day, all day, with incredible variety and choice uh, without problem. And quality. Which is an incredible statement compared to where yeah. <laughs> it was in 1986. So, um, I totally agree. I mean, I, having eaten numerous times on that beautiful bun, for example, and, and the other thing I really love about Shanghai is some of those uh, kind of 
progressive different types of lounges that exist which you don't I don't feel like you see everywhere and and I just remember being shepherded by one of my wonderful friends living in Shanghai and she showed us places where you know there's the the affluent Chinese youngsters living hipsters living in in you know uh, hanging out in lounges such a different ambiance and feel and you really feel like there's a, a Chinese way and by the way as opposed to an expectation it was definitely not one of those bling bling you know you could it was really very sedate and 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 a fun and cool ambiance oh no absolutely i mean remember that shanghai uh shanghai is different from the other cities in china i mean each, each city of course has its own character but shanghai is the city that from its history in the early 1900s and um, back even to the late 1800s was the city that was most um, open to and shaped by Western culture. And so, you know, even today, a lot of the, the, the architecture and the sleepy lanes that you walk through on a, on a summer day um, still have uh, those incredible remnants of, of your culture. Um, and, and so, so that, that has always persisted in, in, into today and, if anything, has been um, respected and beautified over time. Uh, the parks that were built, the the the, the like I said, the tree-lined streets. Um, uh, you know, it's, you wouldn't find that anywhere else in China. So, of course, the other thing that's uh, of uh, relevance to our conversation is this notion of uh, the digital and social world in China, and how different it is compared to everyone else. And so, on the one hand, you have the different networks. On the other hand, you have different accesses, as we say, to these networks because of the censorship and the way that it's managed in China. So for you, you you're coming from a, a Western world of, of social media, and and you're also needing to plunge into the Chinese ones for the business as well as for your in your personal life. So how do you? I mean, do you feel like you've had to sort of like two different lives online, or or you just you or you've had to deduplicate? The number of networks in which you're working uh, and and hanging out with. You know, I mean, for me, I, I'm on WeChat, so my Chinese friends are WeChatting me, and then you've got Twitter for the Americans or whatever. You know, of course, it's worldwide, but you know, it's sort of it's just a whole nother world of social networks. For some, for some of us, we already feel overwhelmed dealing with the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and so on and so forth. And you're having to do this whole other world. How's, how do you deal with that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, of course, the Chinese firewall puts some interesting twists in in, uh, in 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 how we communicate outside of China, and you know, for many people, it can be a point of frustration. Although um, technology does help through the use of VPNs and whatnot, you can you can still have your Facebook and your Twitter on your phone. So, um, but you will inevitably, when you move to China. Um, use these applications less and find yourself using WeChat and um, some, some of the other uh, powerful uh, applications that are here more and more uh, shaping your life. We, WeChat in China um, is so pervasive, it's almost frightening. You know, when you remember um, the explosion of Facebook in the U.S., it, it was incredible how in Europe and where, not, where else, uh, you know, how many people were using it and how quick it was adopting. WeChat is on another uh, completely level level. There's there's 600 million users already on WeChat in China, and um, and it's everywhere. It's all the time. It is how people communicate. Um, WeChat, you know, whereas Facebook has been a um, 
Facebook is an application for, for sharing pictures and updating. WeChat is really also the, the application for texting. So you're sharing pictures, you're sharing video, you're doing all those things, but that's your day-to-day um, conversation with people. So on a instantly WeChat takes over your life. You can't avoid it. <laughs> and what about C- QQ? It's the first thing you change is yeah. your, your exchange is the WeChat. And what about QQ or Sino Weibo? Because that it, used to be the sort of the big thing, but... Yeah, so 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 Weibo is still is still relatively big. Um, I think they're they're about three four hundred million um, uh, you know regular users. So it's it's still there, and and it is really the most significant blog space. There, there's a lot of a lot of other blog spaces in China, but it's still big. Um, QQ is still massive. So QQ is about eight hundred million. Um, they have eight hundred thirty million uh, actually um, uh, registered users. So so it's it's, it's massive. Um, it's not, uh, and it's it, it's it's used by a broader spectrum of the population. Um, so it's still it's still used. Of course, QQ and WeChat are part of Tencent. They're part of the same company. Right, right. Um, but 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 WeChat uh, is the sort of you know hipper, younger, um, more exciting. It's it, it, probably an age. It, it, it skews younger, but it's used by all ages. And one know? of the things that I, I mean, I got onto uh, these fairly early, and unlike you, I. Uh, can read or speak no Chinese. Um, what the things that I, one of the things I absolutely got, I, I, I don't want to say orgasm, but close to, uh, was when on WeChat, uh, I discovered these little secrets that they have in it. And so, you know, around um, Christmas, when I would send, hey, Merry Christmas to a friend, uh, then all of a sudden, my there's a takeover of my screen and little uh, holly bells and, and Christmas trees start pouring down my screen. Uh, because it's read and it's seen that I've said Merry Christmas and that the application by itself just has um, uh, you know, all these trees and, and holly and stuff falling down on my screen. So, I, I, you know, you, 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 I didn't know about that. Of course, it's not talked about, but it's to be discovered. And, and I love those kinds of little things that the, the folks at WeChat are doing. So it's a, it's, a, it's a new world. And we have, I think, a lot to learn from it. Well, I was, it's funny you say that because I was at their... They call it MIND conference uh, just yesterday, a huge conference that they put on once a year, and, and uh, they had some, uh, um, some some great speakers from around the world and, and uh, you know, a pretty big attendance of all the major brand names and whatnot. But, but um, um, you know, th- these guys are really pushing <clears throat> the boundaries of, of creating new ways to integrate brands into content and, and um, uh, you know, have an, an incredibly open uh, and um, forward-thinking posture on on uh, how they want brands to activate their WeChat platform. Is there um, something that you can and, tell us that came out of the conference yesterday? Yeah, I mean, they, they you know, they're, they're, the, 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 the conference itself was, was, was uh, you know, was a sharing and a bringing of people together, but it was also a launch of, a very important um, uh, aspect of their service that they're working on now, which is the the launch of their own DMP. So it's it's using their data, their proprietary data, to help companies to to target more effectively on on behavioral, um, you know, on on, on, on behavior, uh, you know. So kind of moving into the programmatic world, which is still small in China. Programmatic trading is still relatively small. But um, uh, so, so it was mainly there for that. But they spent a lot of time talking about their whole posture is that their data 
is 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 for everyone. Their their thinking is they have the richest data in China by far. Um, of course, Ali uh, Ali of course has very very rich data, but it's uh, a bit a bit more closed uh, in in the way that they handle it. Um, WeChat is their their thinking is to use that data to bring more people into the eco ecosystem and provide more opportunities for brands. So, um, uh, but in terms of they're opening up their data, and that was the main purpose of the concept con of, 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 of the meeting. But 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 beyond that, uh, what they were showcasing and really sharing was their attitude towards how they want to work together with brands to build and 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 drive content. So um, you know they're actually building programs uh, around young mothers for a for a milk you know a baby milk formula where where moms can 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 ask questions and have those questions answered or 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 with a beauty with beauty products. Um, uh, 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 you know, creating creating in actual programming um, around the kind of information that, that women seek and, and doing this together with brands. So, um, you know, lots of examples of that and, and uh, uh, very, very open to at one point the woman says on the stage, um, you know, instead of coming in and trying to tell us what to do, why don't we each put in some money and develop something together? Hmm. Right? So, you know, instead of coming in and buying something for me or telling me what you need, uh, let's each put in some money together and see if we can create something really incredible. Um, it's a very different kind of attitude, I think. Was the conference in English? M-I-N-D, mind. Well, and was the conference spoken in English? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 it was it, it was mainly in Chinese, but they they do they have simultaneous translating. I see. And, uh, so, well, yeah, I'm sure if you could find it online, I'm sure if you go and, and look it up, they'll be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, Ashton, I forget his name, the the, the Internet of Things. Um, he, he the guy who coined the phrase. He he spoke um, there, and they had the head of McKinsey, uh, one of one of the big directors from McKinsey in China, spoke, and so they had a, you know they had some international speakers. Cool. Well, I'm gonna look that up. But the interesting thing for me um, before we get in, into what you're doing at Nielsen was that uh, they don't own Baidu. So, uh, and you say they own the best data, and yet, it, as I understand it, their search engine is, is nothing, is not exactly the best. So they have data when they don't need the search engine to have that data. I mean, I think of Google as the sort of the monster, op, you know, opposite number in terms of openness and data, but they do it without search. Okay. Yeah. So let me let me take a step back because I, I think I should qualify what I said. That's a very good question. So um, they have the best registered data, ah. like Facebook, right? So so when you you know they ask their users to register and and there's a unifying link which is this QQ number. Um, but remember that Tencent is the world's largest gaming company. Um, they have uh, they are. By far the number one um, uh, music listening app. Um, they uh, are, have a huge, huge following on their news app. Um, I can go on and on You're and right. on. So between all of these various um, properties, the amount of information about what people click on and listen to and follow and whatnot is is mind boggling. By do so. So uh, Baidu, the, the big difference there is that Baidu has the incredible behavioral search um, archive, but they have almost no registered uh, users. There's a very small number of registered users. So, um, so yes, 
uh, Baidu cookie has behind it a great deal of exploitable information, um, but it also has uh, all of the um, the uh, not so sure uh, tricky aspects of cookies that you know get sure. Mm, Whereas Tencent works on a registration, so as you go across all of these various properties, right? That, that it's one person. They can they know it's one person. They're following one person. And presumably, from a Nielsen perspective, both Baidu and Tencent and these this huge network of registered users is just essential to have. You have to have both. Right. So so um, we call it BAT. Right. It's commonly Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent is the is the common term. The, the gaffer of China. Yeah, so I mean, those three combined, I think it's bigger than, you know, add them all up. I don't know, Amazon. There's there's some statistics I can't yeah, remember. Sure. It it's big, Amazon, it's big. Facebook and everyone in the world added up. They're massive. Um, and they each have very powerful data. You know that Alibaba has already stated that they are a uh, big data company. They're not a um, e-commerce or internet company. They're a big data company. So, so you know, and, they, and, and Tencent, and, uh, you know, as an entertainment and, um, you know, innovator in the brand space, Baidu started off as a search company, but they're getting into a lot of different things. So, so you know, they each have their own mission and their own take on it. The, the, buy, the, the, the power of Tencent is across its apps and the, and the, the, the you know, of, 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 of the registered database, although technically Alibaba's registration is, is even better and even more powerful. So it'll be interesting to see because with Alibaba, to have an account, you need to put in information from your Chinese ID card. Oh, <laughs> so you don't get right. You don't get any more exact than that. So that that'll be kind of interesting. Whereas Baidu is, you know, it is it is the Google China. It is the search. Uh, you know, so you you Baidu things. You don't Google things. And and um, or Baidu Xia, they say in Chinese. Baidu a little bit. Um, uh, uh, and and uh, so so they have very very powerful behavioral information, but like I said, it's not generally registered. Right. Cool. All right. So let's dig in on Nielsen. So built to Nielsen for different things. So. So uh, I, uh, obviously, all these players are useful and necessary for you at Nielsen. I want to I want to zip, zip in on Nielsen because in the end of the day, Nielsen uh, is a is the the bellwether. Of of managing or understanding what's happening uh, with our little eyeballs uh, around the world, and and therefore has been in thrust into the middle of this sort of revolution of the digital world because uh, newspapers are going down, television viewing. Actually, of course, it's not necessarily going down, but it's changing, and you you got this uh, dispersion of attention. Television viewing, cable, all all these new things are happening, and you're trying to monitor and measure all that. So, can you tell us, in a nutshell, how Nielsen is sort of is now now managing to understand all these different elements together? Sure. So, so I like to describe Nielsen um, in a very simple way that people don't generally think of Nielsen, but when I say this, it'll make total sense. Which is Nielsen was traditionally um, built on two concepts: buy and watch. Nielsen measures what you buy, and they measure what you watch. Very, very simple. So if you think about it, market share, what brands, you know, what's their market share in in, in retailers? Uh, that's measured by Nielsen, and then 
And then what's your TV ratings, right? So we measure what people buy and what people watch. And if you think of, you know, what was buy and watch traditionally, it was TV, it was radio, it was magazines, etc. was the watch. And then the buy, what was buy? You, you went to a supermarket or a hypermarket or a small store, a mom and pop store, and you bought. And, and Nielsen was the company that crunched all the big data behind um, those views and purchases um, and package that mainly for manufacturers and, and media agencies. Um, so, so that's what Nielsen did. It was a very comfortable space, challenged occasionally in market, various markets by, by, by competitors, but it was a very comfortable space. Um, but when, when everything went digital, right, that, 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 that put an enormous challenge. Uh, the, the biggest challenge, of course, was on the watch side, right? Because that's where digital moved the quickest. So as eyeballs started to turn from TV, then then it requires a whole new set of technologies to be able to measure where those eyeballs are going. And actually, as you said, it's changing. So, so the technology has to change as well, right? And I can talk about some of the fundamentals behind that. Uh, on the buy side, right, what's the change there? Well, it's e-commerce, right? All of a sudden, Amazon shows up. But... But, and others, but but um, remember that uh, in America, e-commerce is still relatively small. I mean, we're, we're still, we're using it for certain categories and for certain things out of convenience, but a lot of our day-to-day purchases are still happening on uh, offline. But in China, that's not the case, right? In China, e-commerce is flying. Uh, it's massive and it's growing and it's eating away at retail. Um, it's right on the verge of really getting to the point where retailers are going to have to start closing doors because because e-commerce is, is skyrocketing. So then all of a sudden Nielsen is, is really challenged, right? Because then Nielsen can't just measure what supermarkets and hypermarkets are doing. You, We have to measure what e-commerce is doing or we will lose the most important part of the pie for manufacturers. So th- those are those are huge, huge challenges to uh, what was a traditionally very easy model. So not only that, so the buy is different, the watch is different, but I mean, of course, you're still trying to make for, for some of your brand clients the link between what you watch and what you buy. Right. So, you know, if you want to get to the, the, you know, the ultimate space is is the ability to link those two. Right now, there are technologies out there. There's things we're doing to link those two. But that's complicated. We don't need to get into that in, right. in, in too great detail. But but what, as a manu- as a as an advertiser, right? What do you really want to know? You want to link the two. That's that's ultimately yeah. what you want to know. The Valhalla. I, I spent all this money on a TVC. Did, 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 it, did it cause more people to buy and did it do it efficiently? Did I get an ROI on that? So, of course, uh, there's a whole space around helping companies to pull those links together. And Nielsen is very uniquely poised to be able to do that. All right. So with Nielsen, you've got uh, you've made a you've got a new sort of workhorse that is enabling you to understand these these mechanisms and how people are acting and uh, viewing. Can you talk us through what what Nielsen's approach is to, to combine all these sort of multi-screens and, and understand where our eyeballs are going? Yeah, so let's talk. I think the, the watch side is the more interesting side. And, and so when you measure TV, right, I think we, we all kind of know what Nielsen does. Um, we have these things called people meters. And we, we hire a panel. I don't, I don't remember the size of the panel in the U.S. I'm going to guess 30,000, 40,000 people. Um, but I, don't quote me on that. Yeah, yeah, sure. uh, um, and the, the, so in all of these households, there are these people meters that are measuring what 
these panelists watch day in and day out. And from that, we project ratings, right? The good old fashioned Nielsen ratings, very simple, easy, got it, makes sense, mm-hmm. right? These are households. And, and in households, right, we watch a bit of TV together. Now, now pe- people meters are built for individuals. So when, it, when an individual is watching, he has to put in his code. They're being paid to do this. So he has to put in his code and, and watch it. So we're measuring it at a, at, a, at a personal level. But of course, a lot of TV is watched as, as families who's watched together. So what, what about digital? Well, digital is a little different, isn't it? I mean, digital is not never watched uh, in groups. It's, it's a very personal thing. It has to work across devices. Um, TV is, is limited. TV has a certain number of channels, a certain number of programs. You can record everything that's on TV, no problem. You, you can set up server, you know, set up uh, recording devices in, in, in rooms and, and you can record all of TV, right? It's a finite amount of minutes and a finite amount of channels. What about the internet? Well, in China alone, there's three million websites, right? I mean, in America, I don't even want to guess how many there are. Um, you can't. I mean, you, you, you just can't. And it's endless, right? Um, the other trick um, on digital is that there's no way to record advertising like you can record TV, right? I mean, you, you can meter a panel's P, uh uh, devices and sort of follow that around, um, but ultimately it's 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 too fragmented to get a measure. So, so you basically have two choices. Either one, you build a panel, and 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 when you build a panel, you you can you can meter. Uh, and the, the the way the technology works is quite simple. Within the ad, you put a what we call a code. Uh, a, a tracking code when the ad fires the tracking code sends information somewhere so it basically tells you that uh, somebody's been watching um, and you can do that with a panel you can hire a million or two million people of course with PCs it's a little easier because you can send someone an email and ask them to download it and, and you know, you'll pay the money if they put this on their device or something so it's, it's all conceivable it's still a problem particularly in a, it's, it's a problem in America it's a big problem in America it's an even bigger problem in China um, because a million people is not enough uh, you know America there's there's 250 300 million people online and using a million people to project that I'm sorry but it's not it's not good and in China it's Yes, you know, 639 million people online. So a panel of one or two million is not enough. So um, that Nielsen needed to, if we were going to win in the space, if we were going to really dominate in the space, we, we can't accept a million person or a two million person channel. We have to find a truly big, big, big data solution. So, so that's where it starts. In, in America, and this happened three or four years, five years ago almost now, uh, we found a partner. It's a small little company. They're called Facebook. You might have heard of them. Um, and what's unique about Facebook, as I mentioned earlier, is their user base is registered. They ask you your age. They ask you your gender. Okay. So what Nielsen was able to do in America was because, you know, after many conversations with Facebook, Facebook is a very forward-thinking company. And Facebook realized that, that if you really want Internet advertising to grow the way TV is going to grow, you really need a currency for measurement. You need a system that everybody trusts and believes in. If you have five different suppliers with panels telling you what the ratings are, you don't know which one to believe. If you have one supplier with a massive, massive, massive database, then they will. So Tencent, for this re- uh, Tencent uh, Facebook, for this reason, agreed to work with Nielsen, and they're still providing this data to this day. So Tencent, for free. Yeah, Facebook has, for free. So Facebook has 
has um, 200 and something million uh, user uh, users, right? Um, I, I don't know what what uh, let's say 250 million. I don't know the exact number registered users in America. They're two thirds to 70, 80 percent of the of the internet population. You cannot use the numbers directly, and this is important because you can't. Uh, you know, people lie when they put their age in, and they, you know, people people don't. I'm 25 on Facebook, by the way. You're looking but, at um, it. You're looking at it. Even though you and I were hanging out in 1986, I'm still 25. But um, uh, uh, the the uh, what Nielsen, being a big data expert and research company, we clean that data by using uh, a calibration panel. So we have a massive panel because of TV, because we're measuring TV usage, and we use that panel to compare the Facebook. Um, we find out what the Facebook IDs of the people in our panel are. We know their ages, and we can compare their ages to their Facebook um, claimed age, and we can build a model. And, and well, that'll be accurate. And so, Facebook is a sort of the central nervous system of the of the the digital side of your panel in in the states, right? Right. So then we call the product digital ad ratings, and it's in partnership with Facebook. And when you, as an advertiser, want to know uh, you, if your target group is women age 20 to 35, we can tell you uh, of all the impressions of the ad that were served, what percent were women. I, so the, the, the key at some point, uh, as opposed to this sort of television screen you're looking at where you have 50, you've hit 50 percent, you just don't know which 50 percent you've got. With the digital side, uh, as has always been sort of promised, we can actually, we know the 50% we hit because there's sort of a lot more accountability on the digital side as opposed to television side. Right. right. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, as, as, as you know, you, you need a Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need someone with a massive, massive amount of, of data that we, and a Nielsen who can calibrate and build models and adjust that data. Right, so you need these two partners, but once that's happened, you're as close to accurate as probably you'll ever get. All right, but then the key is now accuracy, because this idea where we used to maybe have accuracy on the number of people who watched my television ad, and and you know, and then we made suppositions as to what benefit that was for my sales on the other side. With um, with this thing of sharing and looking at and liking. How? What's Nielsen's perspective on that, and how do you sort of calibrate that onto some sort of bigger, a bigger number in your bigger data story? Yeah. So what I'm talking about now is specifically advertising, not social media. So um, user-generated content, uh, likes, whatnot. That, that's a little trickier. Um, it's, it's hard to 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 talk about reach and value that um, as a third party company. Um, what I'm talking about is specifically advertising. So mm -hmm. an ad goes on, it fires you, you know, someone's presumably seen it. We can measure whether they've seen it or not, but but uh, someone's seen it and then we can tell you who saw it. Mm -hmm. When you start to get into search, you start to get into social media. Remember that social media information is by nature protected, right? I mean, uh, Facebook can't reveal the things that you're saying to your friends on social media. So, so by, by its nature, social media is a protected environment. And we can measure some things on social media if Facebook allows us to because th there is no uh, personal, uh, there's a no harm of personal information or whatnot. Um, but, you know, the number of likes or the number of uh, views, uh, you know, the retweets or something like that, 
Um, the only way to measure that is through Facebook or Twitter or others' data, which can be purchased or arranged, you know, uh, as long as privacy is protected. Um, uh, so there's other ways to measure that, but there's no third-party, uh, you know, outside way to measure that. Well, so, the reason why that it still remains relevant is uh, is, is is how advertisements can actually become a, a shareable content. And uh, so I, I was just watching a, an ad by uh, Redfin, the real estate agency in, in the, in the uh, small, I mean, reasonably small real estate agency based in Seattle that has works in California, Washington and Boston, I think like that. And they did an ad and uh, the ad has 5.2 million views on YouTube as well. So in terms of reach, that needs to be put into the mix somehow. I, I mean, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, so you know, it depends on how it's. It, that's a technological. There's a technical side to that question, but I mean, you know, if you if I forward you a link and you click on that link, every time that ad opens, I'm going to measure it. And that's included in the basket of numbers. Yeah, that's included in the basket of this. But it, you know, if you somehow downloaded that ad and forwarded it as an MPEG or something like that, then I wouldn't. Uh, necessarily be able to measure it, but but most people don't do that. Um, so yeah, so it, it is technically um, tracked, uh, followable, um, but not necessarily followed. It's technically not, you have to program is, it. The most accurate is the number of retweets, which you know you 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 can get from Facebook or from Twitter or from right. Um, we we can get that information uh, just just. Uh, when I'm specifically talking about is advertising, so it's a little different. Right. So you have you have the global pictures, and then you then you have specific clients you're working with that you are helping them to understand their market share and their eyeballs. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's and right. so just uh, but in the final slug here, to talk about China and how it's different in China because obviously Facebook ain't the reference. So how right? right? So how have you, how are you negotiating that in China? Yeah, so you can probably guess, right? <laughs> you know, the, the nice thing about Facebook is that we were able to turn this technology on all around the world. It's, it's being used a lot in England and I think France and Germany. It's, it's in Southeast Asia. But uh, there's one country where we couldn't turn it on. Uh, well, there's North Korea. There's a couple others. <laughs> yeah, we haven't gotten there yet, but um, um, not, not a lot to measure, right? But, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. but, but uh uh, in, in China, we, we had to find a partner, and, and, and we started off by talking about the quality of data, and, and, and that comes back to Tencent. So uh, we, we, we work, we have the exact same arrangement that we have with Facebook with Tencent in China. They provide us the data. We calibrate, we calibrate the data, um, and then we uh, release the, you know, the reporting for, for manufacturers and agencies and whatnot. Um, so it's it's virtually the same thing I just described to you, except Tencent is the engine uh, or is the database as opposed to the Facebook database. I'm sure you weren't there at the time of the that negotiation, but I would be I'd love to imagine or know about whether the that discussion with Tencent, because I know a lot of the folks there, was, hey, we managed to do this with Facebook. You should do it with us, too. Did that have? Do you think that that had an influence on Tencent saying yes? Because at the end of the day, you know, maybe they have an open philosophy and even maybe more open than Facebook, yeah, and so that's an irrelevant concept. Or did the fact that you managed? Because you know these partnerships are, you know, can be 
straught with uh, with um, you know, with tension and, and you know suspicion. What are you trying to do with me? Are you trying to use me in the inside? Are you going to become a competitor? Should should Tencent be providing this value themselves? Yeah. So so uh, you know, as you could imagine, um, all three of the BAT, um, you know, uh, not only are listed in the U.S., but they have you know they have eyes uh, globally, right? I mean, they're sure. they're constantly looking and thinking and learning, and you know that's. Um, you, you, you could you could you could find yourself to make some accusations of, of copycat, but if you look at the way these sites work and run and their and and the way that they've been created, they're they're incredibly innovative. I mean, they're they're unbelievable. Oh, for sure. To, to come come up with. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Um, but they're they're thinking very hard about what Facebook's doing and what Google's doing and what everyone's doing, of course. And I'm sure they have very good uh, connections and, and uh, relationships with these companies. And um, uh, so, you know, in these conversations as they were happening, and they happened at the highest levels of Nielsen as well, you know. Of course. <laughs> um, and as these conversations was ha were happening, um, it really came down to that. It came down to we want a digital currency, um, and why did Facebook do this? And why are Facebook still there today? And you know, did it create a digital currency in the U.S.? And the answer is, you know, you can't create a digital currency in, in a year or two years or three years. It takes maybe ten years. Um, but are we on the route to getting there? Absolutely. You know, twenty-four of the twenty-five biggest advertisers use this right now. Uh -huh. uh, for every campaign, so digital ad rating. So, so um, I think you know, based on its progress um, and the potential, the possibility, I think Tencent was very willing to to see what they could do. Um, so, but you know, we're still early in the relationship, and we're going to see how it goes. All right. So, the last question: When you are looking at advertising from your perspective, Dell, what? Uh, what are the good types? Of, I mean, let's say the good types of formats. Are banners out? Uh, should you be should brands be focusing on video more, or tagging, or native? What, give us a, a, a top line view of what you think are the the most interesting ways of advertising are is today. Okay, and I have uh, forty five minutes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so just a just a few things that, that I talk about a lot. And remember that I'm, I'm thinking about China over the U.S. right now sure. because I'm, I think about it a lot. It, China, China um, you, you have an explosion of video sites here. So Netflix is a paid service, um, you know, which aspires, I think, over time to change the way TV is watched. And, and in the wake of Netflix, uh, there's a lot of things that have happened uh, that have changed them up. In China, what happened was uh, all the big players, including Tencent, um, came up with video sites that were completely free. Now, this is not, um, uh, you know, copycat. Uh, I mean, th th this is all legal. Uh, they, these are, these are the, the content is all paid for, but there's no subscription for the user unless they want to block advertising. So, so these are um, free-to-air, you know, uh, video sites. You can watch any American drama as long as the censors haven't gotten to it. Um, you know, any... any current content, uh, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, um, whatever you want, um, and, but you don't skip the ads, you watch the ads. So, so, you know, there might be three or four or five pre-rolls and then, you know, 
And it's massive. And, uh, you know, I mean, the numbers are, are, are so big that basically every advertiser in China just says, okay, so I'm going to advertise to TV, but I need to take X percent and put it in OTV, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, online TV. Um, and when they say online TV, they mean these sites, these five, six, seven sites, okay? Um, and the tendency has been to just take your TV ad, your 30 second or your 15 second, and you put it on these sites. And that's the same budget. Right, I'm just moving it to a different place. No change and, in production. Yeah, you know, what I say to advertisers a lot is the first thing you have to realize is that is that um, the, the the most important thing we need to start doing is understanding the mindset of the digital viewer of these OTV channels and understanding the kind of advertising that that you know uh, is going to work the best for them. I, I can assure you, it's not a 30 second TV. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure of that. Although, my, you know, I'm busy doing a lot of research to validate that, but I, I don't have a definitive answer for you yet. But I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. And and so <laughs> and it might even be a five second TV. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Right. But, but the point is, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish? What, what is the state of mind of your viewer? And how do you want them to interact with your brand at that moment in time? So, I think what's really important is that is that we need to build you know, content with, with that user in mind. And maybe that sounds really, really obvious, but, but no one's really doing that outside of social media. So uh, I have to say that. Um, I think native is, is really, really important. I think when native is done well, it's a much easier um, way for users to, um, to accept and to, and to um, feel comfortable mm. with brands as, as content. But, but ultimately, it comes down to that. It's brands as content. Ultimately, it is how, how uh, we, we can find that, that natural way to integrate a brand message um, so it's not a, Ooh, you can skip me if you like a uh, moment in time, but you know, something that, that doesn't feel like advertising, but has meaning to you and, mm. and, 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 uh, um, and, and it makes you, makes you, you know, want to learn more. Well, you know, Del, I, uh, the point that I, I, t- I take away from what you just said is this notion of adapting your message to the medium and to the user. Because in the end of the day, why brands aren't doing it is because they're lazy, you know, or lazy. They are, quote unquote, cash strapped. So I can't afford to change my 30 second spot or they don't think about it ahead of time. And that laziness is just take it from television and plop it in 30 seconds online or whatever. And and that's good enough. And and what you're saying is no, that's not good enough. You're, you're going to need yeah, to. I mean, I, you you like I came from a from a big uh, you know advertiser, um, and and you know I remember towards the you know the end of my my time there, you know when we would we would do the brief for the thirty second TVC, we'd we'd say okay, and then I need a I need a ten second pre roll. You know, so and and what was the ten second pre roll? It was just okay, just take the same ad, make sure the brand is like in the first second. Right. Okay. And the last and the last two. Just like cut and paste a bunch of junk in there and we'll throw it out there. Yeah. And that that's a pre roll. And we were happy. Right. And you know, now I look back at it and I laugh. <laughs> yeah, good. I mean good thing I put the brand up front. Was right, because otherwise kick out. Right, right. But but you know, I don't, no no one wants to put any thought or time or effort into into that this is a new kind of viewing experience and and uh, there might be a way to 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 deliver a brand message in a far more compelling way if you think about the environment a little more. Carefully. Super.
Great closing message, Dell. So how can uh, someone track you down or follow or connect with you? What's the best way that you'd like? Um, yeah, so uh, it, it, I, I guess just my Nelson um, email address, which is just my name, D-E-L dot Levin, L-E-V-I-N, at Nielsen.com. Super. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'd love to hear from uh, anybody that wants right. to reach out. And get in touch with Nielsen in China. So, Del, yeah. thanks for coming. Have a splendid weekend. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, that's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray. You mention in your lack of self-security Oh, I wouldn't care about the art form As long as you would feel warm Wrapped in canvas, hold me tightly Slowly we would paint a lover's portrait With all your favorite shades
Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.